How do I get paid what I'm worth? Hello, my name is Barry Bloomagdity, one of your hosts for this episode of the Trady Business School podcast. Miranda. Hello. Yeah, welcome to episode one. So, you know, we've been talking about this question on and off, and it is so great to be here to be able to unpack it with everyone today. You know, we get asked it all the time, how do I get paid what I'm worth? And, you know, Barry, we were having a great conversation just before we came on onto this recording, and you've got a fascinating story. Yeah. Would you like to sh- yeah, share it with us? Absolutely. And it's funny because I think that often, like, tradesmen and general contractors don't even actually realise that they're not being paid what they're worth because... You know, I think often as human beings, we do lack some self-worth and self-love. And we're going to talk about mm. that, that a little bit later. Before we go woo-woo, uh, I want to bring it home. I guess I started my first trades business at 18 years old. I, I finished up my set apprenticeship. My boss was treating me like dirt and I decided to leave, which I shared a bit on the last episode. And I'll never forget, I hired a bookkeeper because I was sick of reconciling the accounts in zero and stuff like that. And I hired this bookkeeper and... She reconciled my accounts for the first time and she said, Barry, I want to have a chat to you about something. I was like, okay, sounds a bit serious. She's like, well, it is. She said, do you realize at the moment you're actually paying clients to work for them? And I was like, what are you talking about? She's like, well, you're paying clients to do work for them. And I was like, no, like I'm charging out at 45 bucks an hour. That's almost double what I was getting paid when I was a contractor. Now, mind you, this was this was nine, 10 years ago, guys and gals, like the, 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 the wage and cost of living has obviously increased a fair bit. And I said, but what do you mean? She said, well, yeah. I said, 45 bucks an hour, that's more than enough for me to live. She's like, yeah, but you're not taking into consideration the amount you have to pay tax, the tax man, GST here in Australia. You have your fixed overheads, like your phone, your fuel, your car maintenance. And she went through a list of all these overhead expenses, right? Not, not cost of sales because I was marking up the products that I was delivering to my clients, the overheads. And when I worked out, it worked out I was on about four bucks an hour. $4 an hour, oh, no. which was my apprenticeship rate. And yet prior to that, I thought I was on decent money and charging a lot. And, and she said, you need to be charging at least $75 an hour to be making more than what you were in the past employer. And I remember that I had a lot of internal resistance towards that, Miranda. There's a lot of internal resistance. Like I can't charge someone 75 bucks an hour for my time. And we see this a lot with traders. Now, a lot of them are charging a lot more than 45 bucks an hour, but there's this internal resistance, right, to charging what, what they're yeah. worth. Yeah. It's so it's so true. The, the, it's, it's amazing the resistance that we can have to numbers and the yeah. dollars and how it can trigger stuff in terms of what we're worth. And it's often sort of linking it through to, well, hang on, that's what I'm taking away in my pocket and the difference and the gap between maybe what I might be paying myself versus what I'm charging. Yeah. And And I love what you shared in that moment around sort of that, I guess it was like an educational or or a penny dropping moment when you realized that there was a whole chunk of information that you didn't have or know or were aware of around all those components or parts of things that you hadn't been incorporating into your hourly rate and what that meant. And I think there are so, I know you're not alone in that. And even as anyone is listening to this right now, like even if you're aware of many of those costs, 
some of them maybe maybe you're not or maybe it's the margins on those or, or how to structure those that is a slight gap in, in your knowledge. Yeah, yeah. It's a really good point you raise and I guess I, I just want to preface something that that I have no idea right now who you are listening to this episode. Mm-hmm. I have no idea whether you're just fresh out into your trades business or as a general contractor, whether you've been in business for years and this is like, oh, yeah, I get that. I know that already. And so mm-hmm. I guess, you know, throughout these episodes, we do want to dumb them down and speak as simply as possible. There is going to be a lot of stuff in here that I guarantee, regardless of how long you've been in business for, of a huge value and will grow your trades business. But also just bear with us if there's things that you think are a bit simplistic or a bit undersold in, in your mind because there will still be some gold in that. And, and I guess we want to appeal as much to, to the broad audience as possible with helping you wherever you're at on your journey of being, being an entrepreneur or a tradepreneur to, to grow a great business that can actually work without you. And so I guess this is the first thing when we spoke about, like, where do we, where do we kind of want to start with this? And so there are a few things in what we've said, like there is an aspect of worthiness but there's also an aspect of just not really having sat down and worked out your fixed expenses. You know, typically entrepreneurs in general, we try to avoid numbers or anything financial. It's a generalization, but I, I see 85% of you know, entrepreneurs we work with in the past and specifically probably more tradies, they tend to not sort of look too much in the books. It's like, oh, well, I'm, I'm putting a markup on my, my product. I'm putting a markup on my time. I'm making money. Yet one thing that we don't realize often in a trades business is that because you're having to actually physically buy products often before you get paid for those products, if you start to grow too fast, which is what happened to me, you grow broke. You've got to grow at a rate in which you are collecting more cash than what you're spending out in, in that uh, cash cycle timeline, which we'll speak about in a later episode. And we'll also speak about how to better manage your money. But this is more so, I guess, focusing on hourly rates and so forth. And so the first thing I want to break down and why I prefaced the simplicity is that when you're looking at a P&L report, you've got what we call above the line and below the line. Now, if we take, if we sell this job for $100, above the line is what amount of money do I have to spend to pay for any goods required to deliver that work? So let's say for argument's sake, Miranda, I've got to go and send a chippy out on site for two hours to go and do a door installation. Now, if I don't win that job, I don't have to go and send that chippy out. So because they're a contractor, there's no cost of sale, right? If that chippy, however, was on wages, they're a below-the-line item. I'm getting charged for them whether they're on site or not. Mm. Now, let's look at a bag of nails. If I've got to go and do a job, I've got to buy nails, that nail is above-the-line item. That's a cost of sale. I need those nails to deliver that work, right? So therefore, they're not below the line. Below the line is things like your internet, your phone repayments, your car repayments, your office expenses, your wage. Typically, as a trader, because you're taking a wage, is below the line. If you've got an admin staff member, they're below the line. So I guess I want to preface that because the, the labor that you charge has to both cover, obviously, the cost to send somebody out to site with enough margin. That margin covers your cost of expenses, like your expenses, those fixed assets or liabilities within your organization. Mm-hmm. I love how you're bringing in that above the line and below the line into looking at that. And I know that for for many many of the clients that we deal with every day, many of them even avoid looking at their P&L regularly. And I wonder if you're sitting in your, in your car or you use your van right now thinking, goodness, I, I don't know when the last time I looked at mine was. Yeah. Um, and if you are, maybe raise your hand or maybe not if you're driving. But it is that regular looking at your numbers. And also too, when you're looking at your numbers in a consistent way, it's 
to look at and knowing what you're looking at. Then it's what you do with them. It's the choices that you make around the what you're going to charge for a particular job. How do you know that you're making that profit? It's the choices that you make with those numbers. So looking at them is not enough, is it, Barry? No, no. And I, I guess too, like, like, you know, something we do teach within the Trading Business School is we mm. teach them, we take them to a process called the Profit Plan, which is a, an incredible piece of software that we've created that allows you to very easy and simplistically add your numbers in and let mm. you know specifically what area of your business do you need to change? Is it your gross profit? Is it your net profit? Is it the cost of sale? Like where do you need to, ch- to make those changes to ensure that your business is actively growing? And on the next episode, we are going to dive into the simplest way I've ever found to make sure that you're always putting money in your profit account, paying yourself what you're worth and, and building a very profitable and financially stable organization. Because I'm not sure if anyone can relate, but for me, I've always found I could make money, yet I never had money. It was this weird thing, especially my trades business. I was always making money and charging good rates, but I never had any money in the bank. And I was like, it's this elusive thing. It just disappeared. Mm. I didn't even have anything to show for it. And I got told, taught, taught a system, which we're going to share in the next episode, that just completely took the world away. My money went on automation. You know, COVID hit this year. We had a very large sum of money sitting in the bank. So there was no challenges or issues at all with whether our company was going to survive, even if we lost all our clients because of that that war chest we built. And we'd also educated our clients to do the same thing. So if you are looking to grow, I guess, get serious about growing your trades or general contracting business, make sure you check out tradingbusinessschool.com. We've got some amazing programs there to help you grow your trades business. But I guess I want to kind of share a few things and, and attack a little bit the mindsets around charging more for what you're worth. Because you might be thinking right now, well, I'm already charging more than my competitors. Good. That's actually a differentiator. One thing that I used to say in my trades business when I went to quote jobs every single time, and I reckon it's why I won most of my work, is I'd say, hey, I'm not the cheapest. I'm not the most most expensive, but I'll give you the best job. Because let's be honest, most clientele, they go and get multiple quotes. And when they get quotes back and see that some are cheaper, some are more expensive, some mid-range, it actually added a layer of trust. Like, oh, wow, that Barry guy, he told me he wasn't going to be cheap. He told me he wasn't going to be expensive. Let's go with him because I can trust him more mm. than everybody else. But the other thing I realized is that every single time I discounted my rates, every single time I offered to like look after somebody, it always bit me in the ass. Mm. It's like it's taking away or minimizing your value. And it's certainly something that I think is definitely worth avoiding is that you know, looking after somebody, they're cutting those rates. You know, I heard the other day a statistic that 97% of businesses differentiate themselves on price. They just sort of turn into this commodity. And so it is so, so true that different differentiating yourself on adding that value or explaining where you sit and standing your ground on that, knowing what you're worth and holding true to that, despite what everybody else may be doing, that is puts you in such a strong position. And it does link into that mindset of charging what you're worth knowing what you're worth, which does start with knowing your numbers and getting a really clear look at what's above the line and what's below the line. And I suppose if we were to break it into a couple of key steps for everybody and everyone listening at home in terms of how to begin to know how to charge what you're worth, what would be the steps that we'll pull together? Yeah, it's a fantastic question. And I guess a couple of things, you know, like in upcoming episodes, we are going to go through processes of how to quote to win more work how to build a sales process that wins you a ton of work while automatically removing time wasters before they even come in the door. So like we've got you, we, we've got you covered, I guess, in going through those processes. And we want to make 
each of these episodes as digestible as possible. My steps for this one would be to simply go and print out your, your profit and loss for the last 12 months. And step number one is make sure that you're allocating things properly. Like the, 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 the reason that this is so important is if you're not first tracking the right data, it's very hard for you to make strategic decisions around what to change. So first thing I'd make sure is just make sure that, that your bookkeeper or your, 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 your wife or husband or whoever's managing your books for you is number one, making sure that any cost of sales, so anything required for you to deliver that job to the client is to be put above the line, right? First and foremost, because then it's very easy for you to look at, well, I charged a hundred bucks for this job. I spent $30 on materials. So I haven't now a gross profit of $70, like my cost of sales was 30. I have a gross profit. Then you can start to factor in what is below the line and how much money you're actually making through expenses. Like I see a lot of the time, especially younger traders, they go out, they start making good money. So they go and buy themselves a new Hilux or they go and buy themselves a new van and buy, go buy themselves all the best tools because they think, well, I need to show up the job looking great. That's all well and good. But unless you've done your numbers, what you're doing is running the risk of putting you know, way too much weight into the, into the fixed expenses, which requires a lot of pressure to keep consistent work coming through the door to make that money. Now, the easiest way to look at this is if you're making, let's just say that you're making 20% net margin, right? So after all your cost of sales, all your expenses, you're making 20%. 20%. That's $20 out every, every 100 So if you're wanting to go and buy something that's $100, you have to go and make a sale of 500 just to break even on that thing, mm-hmm. right? If you're wanting to buy something $1,000, you've got to go and make, make a sale of $5,000 to break even. Now, that's with a 20% margin. And I know a lot of traders, when they come to us, they've got a 5 or 10% net margin not even anywhere near that. And we obviously help them to grow that above 20%. But this is where you've got to understand that just because you're charging a great rate doesn't mean you've got cash in the bank. So the first and foremost is make sure that your accountant, your bookkeeper is allocating the right things above the line and below the time at line and make sure you're, you're auditing at least one job every month. So if you've got a high turnover of jobs, take one job every month and look at what you quoted for it and make sure you go and break down what did I actually put into delivering this in terms of products and labor hours and what were the expenses, the below the line things, just you know, day-to-day for the business because that will let us start to see whether your quoting is intact with what you're doing. A lot of people have this belief, oh, I'm quoting a ton of money, I'm making money, but they're not realizing that some jobs they're, they're doing their ass on and other jobs they're making a ton of money on and the ones they make a ton of money on are forwarding them to do their ass on the other jobs as opposed to making sure their quoting is so well refined that every single job they make that consistent margin on. And it's not always the most fun stuff because let's face it, it's probably more fun to go out and get on the tools or do something a bit more creative and a bit more fun or a bit more interesting. And there's probably other things that will maybe even light you up a little bit more than the idea of getting a comb out and going through your, your P&L and drawing lines on it and working out what's above it and what's below. Let's face it. Yet it's this unsexy stuff that is the foundations of building a really solid business and in the future a business that will run without you. It's the stuff that gets missed time and time again. It's not the, well, that's fine. There are probably people out there that do love it, but there are, you know, you may be the one nodding right now, hey, I actually really get into that stuff. And whether you are or you're, you aren't, it still remains critical that you look at these numbers and you fine tune them. So as Barry said, look at the first, look at your last 12 months of P&Ls, look at them, work out what's above the line, work out what's below the line, then do an audit on at least one a month on on your jobs to make sure that you're in fact running those jobs in a way that's going to bring you in the profit that you need and want. And that data that you're gathering is invaluable because it will set you up for the future. And even doing that between now and even the next episode will set you up to understand a whole lot more uh, as we dive further into what to do with those numbers. Yeah. 
this aspect of like how do we get paid what we're worth first and foremost you've got you've got to you've got to be worthy of charging mm. that amount of money and yes. I, I think there's two parts to that one is the belief of like well no i actually d- deliver a damn good job and so therefore i need to charge what i'm worth to deliver that job regardless of what mistakes or stuff ups happen right that's part and partial the second part though is to actually have a business that can support support sustainability and so part of this is knowing your numbers and it's not it's not fun and it can be challenging in the beginning if it's first time you go through and do this you know you're probably like i was in the beginning which is like well Bookkeepers are great keeping books, just pay them to do the job and delegate through what we call abdication. But I'm telling you what's even harder is going bankrupt for $1.3 million. You know, having to tell your partner and your kids that you can't afford to buy groceries that week. Like I've been there and gone through that and I've gone and learnt the unsexy stuff to have the knowledge to now hire people that can manage it for me. But I still have enough of the knowledge that if I look through my PL, you know, in a second, I could pick up where something's out, right? But yet I've also earned not having to manage it anymore because I've gone through and done the training. And again, you know, if this is completely new for you and you want support, join the Trading Business School. You know, we go through and one of the very first modules we teach you is around the profit plan. And we ask you 12 questions that you can get the, the answers to those questions from your book, from your bookkeeper, from what you're currently doing. And we lay it out all automated on a very, very sexy, you know, software platform that then shows you where you should start focusing your time. You know, there's a million things you could be doing right now, but do I focus my time on charging more? Is it increasing my gross profit? Is it increasing my net profit, reducing my expenses? You know, is it around lead generation or sales conversion? This process that we have teaches you specifically what you need to do. The other thing that I'll say too is if you notice that you're winning two out of three jobs, you're too cheap, right? A lot of sole traders or a lot of early stage tradesmen and general contractors that we meet are winning a lot of work because they're great at what they do, right? They're great at selling themselves to the clients. What gets difficult is when they start to scale and grow, they can't get the same conversion rates. But in saying that, if you are winning three out of four jobs or sorry, two out of three jobs, that's an indication that you are actually too cheap and you should start increasing your prices. One thing that I've noticed is that when you increase your prices, you might start winning less work. But what happens is your capabilities and your certainty as a business owner change and grow and evolve. Your business structure change, evolves and grows until you start winning the same amount of work at a higher price point and you go through that same process again. And I know this is certainly the case with both my trades business and coaching where I kept increasing my prices and when I would notice I was winning more work, I'd increase them again. And it meant that I had more money to put into resources to serve my clients. Love that. It's it's so it's so fundamental when looking at the, that increase and the subtle increases and what we do with the data that we gather once yeah. we've looked at all of these and the, the decisions to make. And and yes, you know, using some amazing software, using the the profit plan to to analyze that data and to make the decisions is definitely a great way to go. Yet I do know that even if right here and right now you don't have access to that and you know to going through just looking at your numbers is definitely the way to go is to start thinking about where can you tweak things if you adjust one of those things. If you adjust your sale price, just up by, you know, 10%, 11%, you know, the odd numbers work really well to just look at some of those percentage changes and start looking at the effects that that has on your bottom line. So there's so many powerful things to do. And just starting with looking at those things is is definitely the way to go. So that'll be the key takeaway that I would love for you to take away from this episode is that that first step is looking at your PL, running that audit, and to really think about noticing whether or not there's any resistance you have to a particular figure around this is my hourly rate, this is what I'm charging. Just notice when you get above a certain amount, notice sort of what's going on. 
on, hang on, is, is there a number there that I seem to have some resistance around? And just notice that, but just start exploring into putting those numbers up a little bit. So, so a few things that I'd say, n- nicely put, Miranda, and a few things I'd say to, any, uh, to finish off. If right now you're too busy, you've got too much work, put your prices up. Mm. If you haven't put your prices up for at least six to nine months, put your prices up. If you, know, you are winning consistent work, but still finding that it's hard to, to pay your bills, put your prices up. And a good rate to do it, as you mentioned, is 11%. We have this thing in our human psyche that allows us to have like a 10, 11% increase without freaking out. Just notice, like if you were to write your hourly rate down right now, put up a 10%, notice how you feel, right? That's a good indication of where things are at. If you go and put up a 20%, notice how you feel. And often it's too big of a jump. So I would recommend that you should be putting down in your calendar at least quarterly, six monthly to do price reviews as well. Because often sometimes we carry price rises from our suppliers for way too many months until until we see the lag measure or the, the lagging impact of the business, which is shit, we're not making money right now. So, you know, start leading and being more proactive around that. Look at where you can put your prices up. Um, we're always open to questions. So please feel free to question or comment below this. We'll absolutely get answers back to you guys. And make sure you join the next episode where we start diving deeper into how do you create profit first within your organization? That's been it for us on this episode of the comeback on the Trading Business School. How do I get paid for what I'm worth? Uh, my name is Barry Wilmagher, the CEO and founder of the Trading Business School. And Miranda Hill from uh, The Game Changers. So it's just been wonderful to be here with you all today and cannot wait to connect with you all again. There are so many more wonderful episodes to come, so many more uh, insights to unpack, handy tips, tools, and tricks for you to gain back control of your time, your business, your money, and your life. Take care, guys. Bye for now. Take care. Bye. Bye.